There we go. There we go. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Glad you're all here. Welcome to another Wednesday, Wednesday right, night live stream. I always forget to mute work, this. Work I don't know why, but I do. Anyway, it's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, so I'm here. Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. Glad to hang out with you guys. I have uh, some stuff to talk to you about. Um, the, the new fish that came in, I'll tell you about that and some adventures I've had in the fish room. But let's see who all is here. H.C. Aqua, hey, Jesse, glad you're here. Mr. B's was the first, it looks like. Awesome. Bathy Phila. Lamp eyes came in today. They're looking good. All right, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I checked tracking earlier today, and it looks like, <laughs> I don't know, it might be because of snow, but it looks like about half the shipments are not going to arrive till tomorrow. But I'm glad you got yours. I'm glad you like them. Skipper's Aquariums, hey, welcome. Maria Z, Dan Slee, hey, welcome, Dan. Good to see you. Good to see you. Bob Kaler's here, modding away. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Small fry aquarium fish. What's up, Craig? Glad you're here. All right. So um, just the standard reminder that if you have a question or a comment for me, if you make it at Dan's Fish so it populates and highlights, then I'll jump right to it. Um, instead of scrolling through the, the chat, which gets boring. So if, if you're wondering why I'm not answering your comment or your question, um, then uh, it's probably not being put at Dan's Fish. So uh, Bob or Lumpy Dog, hey Lumpy, glad you're here. Um, any of the mods, if you see someone that's having trouble uh, getting a, a question or comment to highlight, if you would just help them out or bring it to my attention so I don't ignore them, I would appreciate it. And again, thanks for modding, gents. I, I appreciate it very much. Um, again, I know that uh, 54 Punchy is usually working Wednesday nights now, so she won't be able to be around for probably the rest of the semester. But uh, hopefully Candy can get over here. Just depends on how long Corey's stream goes. But I was watching Corey's stream before this, and uh, as always, I don't know. It's fun to watch. He's a, he's a good YouTuber. Um, AMP Aquatics. Hey, everyone. Hey, Skipper's Aquariums. Hey, Long Island Fish Guy. Hey, Long Island Fish Guy. I caught my first video of yours earlier today. What was it? It was an unboxing from, it was like Arizona Aquatic Gardens or Bluegrass Aquatics. One of, one of the two. I was doing some research, um, wondering if I want to invite some, uh, some fish selling companies to use getgills.com, uh, invite them over or not. So I was kind of researching, looking at people's unboxings, looking at reviews just to see um, which companies I'd like to invite or not. So uh, in that process, Long Island Fish Guy, I think, I think it was your video that I came across. So thanks for sharing that. Maria Z, hi Dan, uh, I ordered the Empire Gudgeons. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks so much for holding off shipping until Monday. The weather just broke today, cool. Well, send them off, and they're uh, they're doing good. They're fat and happy. They're growing. They've grown quite a bit since I got them. So um, I'm excited to get them to you. And the peacocks are doing good too. So I think you'll enjoy them. Slippery fish. Hey, welcome. Small fry. Kanichiwa. <laughs> I have to admit, my uh, Japanese is very limited. That might be the only word that I recognize. <laughs> Long Island Fish Guy, it was from Arizona Aquatic Gardeners. Uh, Gardens, don't invite them. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, 
yeah, there's been, I won't go into any details, but it's amazing when you uh, read reviews, what you stumble into sometimes. And it's tricky because, you know, only the outliers are going to leave a comment. So for every bad review, there might be a thousand satisfied customers, right? So it is hard to gauge, but um, yeah, I won't go into my decision on that. But if if you don't see them up tomorrow or the next day, you'll know why. Um, Long Island Fish Guy. Thank you for tuning in, though. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Absolutely. Wait, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, good. Um, so let me tell you about this week's shipment. So it's like blizzard conditions here. Two days ago, we got a foot of snow dumped, and I'm not exaggerating, like, at least a foot of snow, a, a, a mid-calf on me, a little higher maybe, and shoveled all that out, <clears throat> got the driveway clear, had one day free, and then today it's doing it again. So it's crazy. So what that means is I didn't do a large import this week because driving the two hours on a good day to the Billings Airport to pick them up and all that, I didn't want to do that in in you know horrible snowy blizzard conditions. So I went with a different supplier, and just got one box in and shipped them right to my front door, which is nice. Um, and I got some cool fish. So I got some Amazon puffers. I got 25 of them. And I've got um, Montezuma swords. Um, so sword tails, the uh, Zephophorus Montezuma. And I got some pygmy Corydoras. So that's it. Just three species, just one box. But basically I saw those uh, Montezuma swords and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get those. So I ordered those. I ordered every one that they had, cleaned them out and got them. Unfortunately, the, the box came in in pretty poor shape. So it was really cold, like in the fifties in the box. And the uh, pygmy quarries didn't seem to care that much, but the swordtails were struggling and the puffers, it, it looked like about half of them were just belly up. But I warmed them up and put them in and fortunately all the puffers kind of revived when they warmed up. And this, this is common. Um, it's scary, but it's common. And almost all the swordtails revived. However, um, they're in bad shape apart from the cold. It's going to take me a long time to clean these guys up and offer them for sale. So be patient. Hopefully they pull through. I'm going to do my best. But the swordtails are really kind of skinny. And um, not all of them, actually. But it's obvious that they've been at a wholesaler for a while. So they're looking pretty skinny and in need of some tender, loving care. So I have them in a pretty strong antibiotic bath uh, just to take care of any infection they might have got during their weakened immune system right now. Um, and then the Amazon puffers, they the last time I ordered Amazon puffers from this company, they looked great. They were fat. They were well fed. Uh, they were covered in ick, but that's very common with puffers. And it was you know, obvious ick. It was just the big white spots, random pimples almost all over the body. I can clean up ick. Ick doesn't scare me. 
But what scares me about this order is they came in and they look really skinny. I mean, they're, they're emaciated and, um, the tails, some of them have infections on their tails where the, like the outer edge of the tail is kind of white and I don't know if it's necrotic or what, but it's not in good shape and they have icks. So it's going to take me a long time to recover those. So be patient with me, but I'll, I'll do my best with them. And then the, uh, the little pygmy quarries were just like, yeah, what's up? We're good. So I know it was a little bit disappointing order and I don't often use this company, but every now and then they have something I just can't find somewhere else like Montezuma sword tails. And the fact that they deliver right to my door some weeks, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not driving through a blizzard. So, um, so that's, that's where it's at. If anyone has, um, I mean, I, I think I know what I'm going to do with the puffers right now. They're in an antibiotic bath with, um, ick medicine as well as antibiotics. And I'm hoping that the antibiotics will uh, help curtail that thin rot that they're going through and the ick medicine. Cause they obviously have ick right now. And again, I expect that when I order puffers. Um, so that wasn't a surprise. So I'm going to do that just to take care of those two really pressing things. But then because of how emaciated and skinny they are, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, really medicate inside of them to clear them out and get them fat again. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks as I get them cleared out. Um, and the trick is to keep the medicine on them but also I'm going to have to be feeding them intermittently at least so they get some body weight because they're really skinny. So keeping the water clean in a hospital tank while you have to feed, it's, it's tricky. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, but I think I'm up for the challenge. Let you guys know how it goes next week when we do this whole report in and, and uh, you know, tell you how they're doing. I hope they do well though. Um, but I've honestly never got puffers in that look this bad. So it's uh, it's a little scary for me, but so got some good stuff in as far as neat species and things, but it's going to take a while to clean them up. So that's that's kind of the order report for this week. Um, let me get back to the chat and then I'll fill you all in on how last week's uh, fish are doing and get that uh, update for you guys. Hey, Jeff Rose, glad you made it. Glad you made it, man. Long Island fish guy price on the Amazon puffers. I have no idea. Um, the last ones I sold, I think I did around $30. It might've been 35. It kind of depends on how quickly they rebound and stuff. For example, um, the order I brought in last week, it's doing really well, but just bringing that in and getting them through the first week of normal medicines that I, I always use, it's over 200 bucks worth of just medicine to do that. And so I'm going to have to see how the puffers do how many survive and how much medicine it takes to clear them and get them up for, you know, ready for sale. So I have to factor that in. Now I'm not always the cheapest for sure, but I'm also not doing the turn and burn where I just get fish in and then just send them to you. So you get to deal with the issues. I, I take the time to get them back in healthy and robust before I send them out. So depending on how long that takes and how many medicines I have to use. And sometimes I have to order a special medicine that can be really pricey. So we'll, we'll see. So I really don't know until they're through quarantine, what prices will be for sure. 
Yeah. Um, are the quarries hybrosis or genuine pygmy? They, I think they're genuine pygmy. I've had quarry doors hybrosis many times in the past, and I, I know what that fish is. And these, I think these are the pygmaeus. That being said, they're pretty small. I'm a little over quarter of an inch, maybe. Um, and they're stretched out right now. So until their pattern really comes in, I can't confirm that. But uh, I'm pretty darn sure they're actually pygmaeus. That being said, I like hybrosis a lot too, but I don't think they are. Uh, hybrosis, when they come in, usually they're washed, but they have some spotting on them, kind of model pattern a little bit. These don't. They're just washed with a little, with kind of a line down the lateral line that's dark. So I think they're pygmaeus for sure. The Cove, how much for the puffers? Okay, I already answered that. Don't know. Um, Skipper's Aquariums, can you show pics of the sword tails? Um, kind of. I, I mean, I have video of them at their unboxing. I don't have any pictures that I took recently. Um, but well, let me, let me show you a picture of, well, I mean, no, I don't. I'm sorry. Not of this batch. The only footage I have of this batch is, uh, what I posted on, on the unboxing of them, I think late last week. That's it. So I haven't taken any updated footage yet, but I will say they're all doing great. They're, they're doing fantastic. And I think the Swordtails will be ready to go ahead and start sending uh, and selling on Friday. So I plan to list them on Friday. They're, they're doing absolutely wonderful. And they're fattening up really quick. Basically, like today, what did I do? Today they started with uh, PE mysis pellets in the morning, some protein. And then later in the day, I put in some rapashi with some, veggie, some veggies in it. So... Uh, that just a block of it. So they kind of ate that for a couple hours. And then this evening I gave them some blood worms. So they're, they're gaining, they've gained weight back and they're, they're looking good. So unless something totally unforeseen happens between now and Friday, I plan to post the sword tails uh, Friday morning for sale. That being said, they're living creatures. Anything could happen, <laughs> you know, and it's tricky with fish. There's, um, there's fish that, like the croaking gouramis, I'm, I'm about to list them back for sale too. I just, I, I was a little worried about them, but they seem to be fine. I just wanted to make sure that they were truly fine and not just acting fine. But there's sometimes you get a fish in and it goes through quarantine and it's great and it looks fine and you have it for a month or two and it's fine. And then suddenly out of nowhere, something manifests itself. So maybe they were keeping it dormant and it took that long to incubate. Um, Maybe something in the, their environment changed that I don't even know changed and, and something that's been on the fence with them suddenly gains the upper hand. It's really tricky, but I'm pretty confident those swordtails will go out Friday. And as far as I know, everyone that got the previous batch, um, everyone that's, you know, emailed me and updated me and stuff says that theirs are doing great, except for one that uh, left the tank. So, um, it either jumped or the cat got it. The, uh, the customer told me that they found the cat with it. So disease wise though, I think that they're a pretty good supplier because of all the ones I sent before, I haven't had any reports of problems. Um, so if you're listening, you had had a problem, let me know. And if you let me know what it is, 
then I can preempt that with any future batches. But as far as I know, they're doing great. Um, <clears throat> Bathyphila, do the Montezumas have a locality associated? They don't. I wish they did. Um, I'm just calling them aquarium strain. And again, they just came in. I haven't really uh, looked super close at them, but they were listed as Montezuma swords and they're definitely look like that. I just haven't dug in deep yet, but no, they're just going to be aquarium strain Montezumas. No, no location on those. Long Island fish guy, me and my friends love Amazon puffers. Yeah, they're fantastic fish for sure. Peaceful, don't get too big, can be in pure fresh water and have all the personality of a puffer. I mean, what's not to like? Kayla's Aquatics at Dan's Fish, have you considered some tannins for the puffers? I haven't, um, but I can. <laughs> I, it's something I would do after their first round of medicine just because you know, if I put leaves and botanicals in there and stuff right now, that'll soak up some of the medicine and I don't want that. But have you found that useful for yours, Bob? And if so, do you use like catapa leaves or oak leaves or what's your tannin source? Um, curious about that. Tampa Tom, hey, I'm here now. Breed anything since we last talked? Um, yeah, I think I have. So... <laughs> What number are you on Tampa, Tom? Are you in the 30s yet? I think you might be getting close. <laughs> Tampa's doing a, a live stream marathon and like catching up on all the old live streams. <laughs> and it's fun to watch him as he completes each one get through. Um, what have I bred? Uh, I've got a whole bunch of killifish coming up and I'll be making a video of that. I, keeps, I was going to make one last week and didn't get to it, but soon, soon I'll be making a video of that. So a lot of killifish. I think that's it actually right now. Um, the main breeding project I'm focusing on is the uh, Santa Maria Endlers. They're looking phenomenal and I, I'm real close to having a batch big enough that I can actually see what percentage uh, mature true to what I want. So I'll know in a few weeks, pretty soon here, if if there's a high enough percentage that I'm comfortable selling them or if I need to go through maybe one more generation. But that's the, that's the main breeding project for now. I, I've turned um, a lot of the tanks I was keeping for breeding, I've transferred over into like just normal aquariums because the demand at dancefish.com has grown and I can't keep up with the demand by breeding. It, it would take like three to five aquariums to, to breed enough uh, a species in large numbers. And then there's also the time it takes from egg to sellable size. And in that time with that number of aquariums, I can get a lot of other fish in that people are looking for. So as the business grows, I'm, I'm cutting down on my breeding a little bit. I'll always do some, but I'm having to make business decisions and that's one of them. So, but yeah, mainly killifish right now in the Santa Maria's. In fact, I, I held back a nice group of the uh, red-eyed red cauliflower hyphen swordtails because I was like, man, I'm going to breed this. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to cross those to my koi swordtails and develop a koi sword like that? But then I calculated the time it would take and the amount of take space and things, and I just couldn't justify it. So I ended up um, 
giving those to a customer who'd been wanting them for a long time and begging and begging. So I was able to finally say, okay, here you go. Um, and then uh, the Montezuma sword tails I looked at and I was like, man, I should breed some of these, but I've, I've got to curtail myself a little bit. Otherwise I'll get so into breeding. I have no space for this stuff to sell at dancefish.com. Um, how about you? Well, uh, Tampa Tom, anything going on as far as breeding in your fish room and anyone else, what you got spawning, what you got raising. Um, I know that TM Aquatics has a ton of leopard frog plecos. If you haven't seen it, he released a video uh, yesterday, I think, where he goes through his fish room and shows you all the leopard frog plecos he has coming up. And that's pretty exciting. Those are a cool species. And they're going bananas for him. He's also got a bunch of uh, really cool shellies available at getgills.com. Uh, I think it's Lamprologus ocellatus gold that he has. So, yeah. Let's see here. Long Island Fish Guy. That sucks, man. I hate it when new fish get sick. Disheartening because you're so excited when you get them and then you're unsure if they'll make it, whatever the illness is. Yeah, it's it's one of the roughest parts of this hobby. And I think it's a part that the industry does really poorly. And that's why I do things the way I do. I don't want to turn and burn the fish, send it to you. And then you have, have you be like, man, I, I don't have like a full facility how am I going to deal with this issue? Um, I don't have 10 tanks to quarantine all these fish in. Um, I don't know that much about fish medicines. You know, you should be able to get a fish, maybe quarantine it. Yeah, but not have to deal with serious issues. So that's uh, one of my just biggest pet peeves with the industry is how we do that. We bring in fish they go from this location to that location, this location to that location. They might be through seven facilities and that's not an exaggeration by the time you get them. And they've just been popping from facility to facility to facility in a bag, next facility, in a bag, next facility, in a bag, next facility. And by the time you get them, that fish is just like, man, I need a break. And, um, I don't want the end consumer to be the one to have to deal with that because of what you just described that it's, you have this, you're excited and everything, and then you get this sick fish and it's just like the biggest letdown ever. I think that drives people away from the hobby, which hurts the industry long-term. Uh, whereas if we would take the time to apply our expertise and get the fish uh, healthy and robust and acclimated to aquarium life and good to go, and then give it to you, you're gonna get the fish, have a delightful experience. Maybe it will pop up, it happens. Maybe something will pop up, but for the most part, um, you won't have that gut-wrenching experience that you're describing. And then uh, more people will enjoy this and stick around. That's that's the whole philosophy that, that I wish that the industry could wrap their heads around and see the long-term benefit of doing that. <laughs> Marsh Aquatics, how are the wild red stripe rainbows? They're awesome. They're awesome. In fact, uh, They've, they've grown a bit. They're coloring up a bit. They're still small, though, so they're not going to be like vibrant adult rainbows for a few months just because they're only maybe two inches or so. And um, they get a lot bigger than that. And that's that's the story with rainbow fish. But they were a cool enough thing that I went ahead and got them. I'm still uh, I've got to follow up, actually, and just make sure that they are indeed rubra striata and not something else. Um, because 
the exporters uh, <laughs> mislabel stuff so much that with a wild fish, um, especially rainbow that's so hard to get and everything, I'll, I want to get some confirmation on what they are. And I have my doubts that the Rubro striata, um, just looking at, but I've never kept Rubro striata before. So looking at some pictures and stuff on Angfa and all that, um, I see different patternings in them. But then again, they're juveniles, so it could be a juvenile patterning. So I just want to uh, check up with some experts and, and see what they say before I distribute them. But they're doing great as far as health. They're awesome. They're eating flakes. In fact, let me get into the update from last week's order. So the um, wild rainbows are doing fantastic. They're eating everything. They're in with the empire gudgeons, and they're acting as dithers for the gudgeons, and everyone's fat and happy and wonderful in that aquarium. So everything's going great there. The Furcata blue eyes or Furcata rainbows, Pseudomugil Furcata, are doing great. Um, some of them came in with a little bit swollen gills, which often is from exposure to ammonia in the shipping bag. And so I'm keeping a close eye on them to make sure that it's not something that's spreading to other fish, that it's in fact exposure to ammonia and not a pathogen perhaps that's in there. Um, so I am going to hit them with some gill fluke medicine just in case, but they're um, eating well. They're acting exactly how they should, except for just a few of them, which uh, they're still acting normal, but they had the swollen gills. But again, it's very common when you're in a shipping bag and you get some ammonia irritating your gills that they'll swell up a little bit. So uh, they seem to be doing wonderful. And they're, they're almost fat enough that I'm going to list them, but um, it's going to take a little longer before they're quite fat enough. And I need to assure myself that this gill thing isn't something that's actually a pathogen before I let them go. Um, the epistogrammas are doing great, really doing wonderful. I haven't lost a single one. I think I have, I got 70 of them and I think I still have 70. So they're doing wonderful. Um, it's going to take a little longer to list them, not because they're sick, but because it's taking them a bit longer to get used to flake food and pellet food. They'll eat frozen food and live food all day long and love it. Um, it's only the last couple of days that they've started uh, kind of exploring the flakes and the pellets to the point where they'll take them up and keep them in their mouth instead of taking them up and kind of gumming them and spitting them back out. So before I sell them, I want to make sure that they're uh, actually eating that stuff regularly and without thinking twice about it, right? Because I don't want to give you a fish and then have you be like, man, I don't have live food or I don't have frozen food, you know? Um, so they're doing great. I just, I, did, I need to get them a little more used to aquarium foods before I send them out, but they're doing fantastic. What else was there? Oh, the longfin paleotis are going to be listed. They're what you would expect from a salt and pepper quarry just with long fins. So they're hardy, they're robust, no signs of anything wrong with them whatsoever. So those are doing great. Um, what were some other stuff I got? <laughs> I forget. Oh, the geophagus. So the geophagus uh, wine milleri, which I, I gotta show you guys just cause I think this fish is so, so stunning. This is what they are. So these are the Geophagus wine milleri, and I've seen them in person, and they truly do look like, like this. I mean, they have those blue uh, iridescent 
stripes contrasted with kind of the reddish base coloring. And then the tails have this neat stripe pattern. The ones I saw, the tails were more uh, obviously striped than that, maybe more like this. Uh, I think it's just the angle on that other one is, is a little strange, but um, yeah, I'm excited about them. So they're doing fantastic. However, they're one that's taking a little time to get used to uh, aquarium foods as well. So they also in the last couple of days have got to the point where they'll not just pick it pellets and spit them back out, but they'll actually eat them. So they're just to that point and I want to get them a few more days on that before I let them go. So we'll see what they look like Friday, if they're really eating those or really well or not. But, um, and then we already covered the red-eyed red cauliflower hyphen sword tails, which are doing fantastic. So I think that was it. If I miss something and you want to know about it, let me know. But um, everything's doing great. I, I did something a little different this time, though, um, and I, I used a little bit stronger medicine the first week. And so it, when I'm using that medicine, I can't feed very much at all because that medicine wipes out the bacteria in the biological filter. It's a gram negative medicine. And I, I do that because the most common infections I see in fish that I bring in uh, from on a bacteria side are columnaris and aramonis. And this is a medicine that will take care of that and uh, nip that in the bud. So, uh, but because of that, that first week they didn't get the, the normal fattening. So it might take a little longer to fatten them up. So, yeah. So Marsh, I hope that answers your question. That's how the wild uh, rainbows are doing and everything else I got in last uh, last week. Long Island Fish Guy at Big City Bettas. I was just thinking that too. Had no idea Dan's fish needed to do all the meds. He really goes above and beyond. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, I do it so hopefully you don't have to. And also, I think that your average person buying fish probably isn't... Um, steeped in the knowledge of medicines and how to use them and stuff. And uh, just from observing chats and observing Facebook groups and the questions, you know, you'll see a fish with obvious like cotton mouth and they'll ask, can I use Ickex on this? <laughs> you know, things like that. So yeah, I just, uh, I want to take care of that. But again, that's why the fish sometimes that you get from me, often my prices are pretty darn cheap, I think, but sometimes it'll be more than the other person, but there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, curious, have you ever dabbled in the salt hobby? Asked Philly Man Pete. Um, I only use salt to medicate fish. <laughs> I haven't. I have kept some saltwater aquariums. I used to work at a pet store that had a few and that maintained a big display saltwater aquarium in a doctor's office, a veterinarian's office. Um, so I have some knowledge, but honestly, I know hardly anything about it. I knew how to change water. Um, I knew how to mix the instant ocean and other stuff that we were using and pour it back in and how to feed them. Like I, I treated a saltwater aquarium like a freshwater aquarium. So we, I, I'm not an expert at all, but I've dabbled. I know a tiny bit about them, but I've never kept one myself like in my own home or in my own facility or anything like that. I do think they're awesome, but um, I think the day I run out of interesting freshwater species, I'll go to saltwater. 
but I don't think that day will ever happen because there's so many interesting freshwater species. So to me, it's this salt's, uh, I just hate mixing salt. That's what it is. If there was like this automatic dosing system that was at all affordable and, and I could just have like auto water changes go on a saltwater aquarium, I would totally do it. But um, no, I, it's, it just feels like a lot of work. That being said, I really appreciate other people's saltwater aquariums because they're doing the work and I can just go and observe the awesome fish and corals and critters. I mean, saltwater is fascinating. They've had so much longer to diversify and stuff than freshwater species and to adapt to all the different niches and, and uh, the kind of constant battle between predator and prey and how are you going to outsmart the prey or the predator. And so all the different things that have resulted from that um, in saltwater, they've had so much longer being around than freshwater fish. So they've, they've progressed a lot further on that path. So there's some fascinating stuff. Um, but no, I'm just too lazy. <laughs> um, Priscilla. Hey, Priscilla, how you doing? I hope you're doing well. Got tons of fry from the Andlers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I hope they're growing up to be big and beautiful. That's great. Kaylee's Aquatics. My eight Amazons had a rough time when I got them in. First time I used tannins as medication, they responded immediately. Cool. Um, so Bob, what did you use? Did you use like a, did you boil peat and use the runoff? Did you just put in um, like Indian almond leaves and stuff? Or did you buy like Tetra black water? Like, uh, could you give me some details? You might've already done it down below and I just haven't got there yet, but that's good to know. Hey, Petsotics, just saw your, uh, your logo there. Your, what is it? Profile picture there and recognized it. Glad you're here. Long Island fish guy, my geophagus stein de cherny. <laughs> stein dashneri. Stein dashneri? Is that even close? I don't, my German is so bad. You take German, mix it with Latin. <laughs> Our spawning, no babies yet. Cool. I hope you do get babies. So um, these guys finally, I think, spawned the uh, pelvic acromus. They caved up. She disappeared in the cave for a couple days. Once she even like peeked out and he like chased her back in the cave, like, no, stay. Um, but then no babies appeared. So I don't know if they actually spawned and just things didn't come to fruition, like the eggs fungus or the babies didn't make it or something, or if it was just a false alarm, but it looked like they were getting really serious. And I think what made the difference is I put in, um, I have three other pelvic acromas. They're all males that are left from the main batch that I got in. And I put them in this tank and just that kind of stimulation from, oh, there's others of our species and now we're gonna guard against them and all that. I think bonded that pair up to the point where they, something progressed. Unfortunately, I didn't see any babies. Um, I suppose in that tank, it could be that there were babies and they just didn't last half an hour when they came out of the cave, but I don't think so. I think that they would last a while because those guys have this little corner here. Oh, you can't see it. Um, so this little corner here, they were using that coconut hut and they had this whole thing kind of to themselves. So I think they, I think they, 
probably didn't spawn or the eggs fungus or something, but we're getting close. But I'm glad your geos are spawning. I hope that I hope you do get eggs. And is it like, is it they spawn and you're just waiting for the eggs to hatch and stuff? Or do they keep spawning and not having success? Like they're fungusing up or they abandon them or something? Like, what do you mean by no babies yet? Like, it's just too early in the spawn to have the babies or they keep trying and, and no babies result. Bing Carter Bing. Hey, a pair of my discus keeps spawning. Cool. But the male keeps eating the eggs. Not cool. Yeah. You know, that's first half dozen times or so that's really common. So if it's, if they haven't been doing it for more than five, six, seven times or so, that's pretty normal. Hopefully they get the hang of it. Um, and there are kind of, I don't know if you want to get into that or if you just want to let them go for a while, but if you want to get into like how to prevent that, if it's a pair that continually eats their eggs time and time and time and time again, is you can get a little thing of mesh in, if you're using a true discus spawning cone, you can drop a cylinder of mesh over it. So it keeps the parents from being able to get to the eggs but they can get close enough that they fan them and everything. And then the eggs will sometimes hatch in that situation. And the parents that will eat the eggs sometimes won't eat the fry. So it's, or sometimes you can then remove the fry for artificial uh, raising, which I personally would never do because that's a lot of work. <laughs> With baby discus, that's, ah, oh, that's crazy. I, the parents have to do it for me. But for some breeders, that's, that's a trick that they can use. But hope they figure it out for you, man. Reels tanks. And, and what what uh, what color discus are they? What variety do you have? Just curious. Got platinum angels coming out of my ears. Yeah, if anyone wants platinum angel fish, um, pretty good looking ones too, I dare say. Uh, Reels going to have a whole bunch here pretty soon. He's got, what do you call it, Frynado? He released a video on the Get Gills uh, Facebook page, which by the way, if you haven't checked it out, uh, the Facebook page for Get Gills is a pretty fun place to hang out. And just this whole side of the tank is just this cloud of angel fry. It's pretty cool. And the parents are raising them for them. So it's a neat sight when you have the, the parents and this cloud of fry billowing around them. So I'm pretty happy for you, Real. That's awesome. Dolly Vigil, hey! I still have thread fins. I don't have females. And I've checked. Dolly, I haven't forgot about you. I've checked every week. There haven't been any, so, but I've got tons of threadfin rainbows and they're on sale right now. By the way, everything at dancefish.com is uh, 25% off right now. So if you're looking for some fish and uh, you want a discount, that's going on. So dancefish.com, 25% off pretty much everything. There's maybe three things I didn't discount. Um, and I think only one of them's left. Like because I only had like one pair for sale or something like that of something I had spawned myself. But yeah, check it out. Jeffro's fish keeping. Do you still have those cauliflower swords? I do. I have uh, about 30 of them right now and I'll be releasing those for sale on Friday, uh, barring any catastrophe between now and then. So they've been rock solid. They're, they're in great shape. By the way, they jump. Keep a lid on your aquarium. Um, I've never had swordtails jump before. These do. I learned that the hard way. So I started with 30. 
One um, was in horrible shape in the bag and didn't make it very long, which I expected just because how bad it looked. And two others, I was shocked when I came down in the morning and they were dried up on the floor. So they had jumped. So keep that in mind. $90 of fish jumped in me in one night, just bam. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, Tristan, hey, Tristan Schuster, glad you're here. I currently have peppercorries. Cool. Oh, sorry, I, with a birth defect, not cool. He had a small bump on the back and the spine isn't straight. He seems really healthy and happy. Any advice? Um, not really. I, I have some fish like that too. Every now and then, like I have a rainbow fish, a Wapoga red uh, laser rainbow fish that is almost an S, such a crooked spine and has no swim bladder. So I didn't think, and it's been that way since it was tiny. I raised uh, it in a big batch and several hundred, this one was like this. And I didn't think it was going to make it past its first week or whenever I first saw it, kind of skipping across the bottom of the little hatching container because it couldn't swim properly. I was like, oh, that's a goner. Cause usually a belly slider like that doesn't last very long. Nope. It's uh, several months later that fish is now an adult, although small, cause it's uh, not quite right. <laughs> and uh, I just let it live out its life. As long as it's not something contagious, then any fish I get in that are funky, I just let them live out their life. Um, if it's a deformity caused by a disease, then I, I try to treat it and Hopefully I, I'm successful at that, but otherwise, nope, I, I just let them go. You know, what are you going to do? So Tristan, that's what I do. I don't have any advice for fixing something with a bent spine or an obvious deformity. Long Island Fish Guy, Big City Bettas, that's great. I've been dying. Oh yeah, the Clouded Archers, they're awesome. And uh, they're usually 40 bucks. They're only 30 right now. And they're rock solid guys. They're great. Um, I haven't lost any. They're eating everything. They've been hardy since the get go. And a couple, two to three weeks ago, I sold, was it six or seven to someone? And um, I asked them a couple days ago how they were doing. And he said, they're fine. So they seem to be doing great. And they're a good deal right now. So they're fantastic fish. I just love the fact that there's an archer fish you can keep without having to worry about brackish water. <laughs> it's just that simple. I've always liked archer fish. When I was a kid and I saw like the Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom presentation on television about archer fish or whatever and saw them squirting down the crickets that they put in there and all that, I was hooked since I was a little kid. But I never got them because brackish water, ugh, I just didn't, not something I wanted to deal with. And then I discovered these guys and it's been awesome. They haven't been available too long. I think it was uh, 2003, I think, when the first ones kind of came out of Burma. I could be wrong about that, but it hasn't been long. So they're, they're an amazing fish. Let's see here. Hang on. Chat jumped on me, unfortunately. Does that from time to time. Uh, Kayler says, I haven't added tannins other than Mopani wood. Okay. To the Fahaka. I did use it for the Amazons as a tea and they responded immediately. Okay. Um, I might try that, Bob. Um, I have tons of peat moss and stuff. Being a killifish guy, I always have like <laughs> I have 
<laughs> massive containers of peat moss around. So I could boil that, extract some tannins and put that in. I do think though, I have to wait till I'm done with the antibiotics because the tannins can, from what I understand, peat and stuff can absorb antibiotics in the same way carbon might. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to take care of the ick first, but as soon as I've done that, I might try that Bob and get back to you on how that goes for them. But thanks for the hint. I appreciate it. Bob says, I added my first coral and first peppermint shrimp to my dog face puffers tank last night. That's or tonight. Awesome. You're diving in salt in a deep way, huh, Bob? And the puffer won't eat the uh, shrimp. Wow. Wow. I guess they're different than freshwater puffers. I would have thought shrimp in a puffer. That sounds like a <laughs> a meal deal. <laughs> Lumpy dog. Hey, Lumpy. Are humpback limias too active for a 10-gallon tank? Nope. They would do great. Humpback limias, um, a 10-gallon tank that has a lot of plants and stuff in it, they'd be fantastic. And I think they get a self-perpetuating colony going for you. Um, I think the key to those guys is is kind of a group or lots of plants. If you just have a male and female, the males are really hard drivers. And if you just have two males, the males will kind of be constantly at each other. In fact, I didn't know this about this species, but there's a local customer that buys fish, fish from me. And she had a tank, just a community aquarium. And she liked him. And I'm like, sure. And I sold her one, a male. And um, she sent me a video the next day. That little thing was harassing all the other fish in her tank. And it wasn't like biting them. It was trying to spawn with everything like garamis, um, just total different fish to the point that they were getting stressed out. And so I was like, oh, bring it back. I didn't know that about them. So I keep them with other fish all the time, but I always keep them in groups. And so that might be something to consider that when there's several of them in the aquarium, they tend to ignore the other fish, but I mean, I saw it on video. She took a video and sent it to me. This thing was just trying to breed with, like, seriously, like garamis. It was crazy. So that's something to keep in mind with them. But yeah, 10 gallon, well planted or something like that. I think you could get a colony going without any problem. Keeping it crypto. Um, hey, can you give some info on your steel blues you have for sale? Super interested. Thanks. Yeah, they're um, a really neat fish. A lot of people say they're a hybrid of some kind that has been established in the hobby and now breeds true, more or less. Other people say, no, it's an actual wild species. We just uh, originated in wild species. Uh, We just don't have it anymore. It's not being collected from the wild anymore. So I'm not sure which, but if you talk to Episto people, the majority of them say it's a hybrid. But again, in this hobby, who knows where they're getting their sources from, <laughs> but they are beautiful. They're, they seem to be pretty hardy and doing well, and they act pretty much like a, any other episto as far as attitude and feeding and behavior and territory and all that goes. So um, what I like about them is they're just a little, they're a little bit unique. Uh, they're, they're more like a colorful wild type of episto in their looks than like a really worked in like cockatoides or a, a agazizi that's, you know, going for triple flash or any of that. So that's what I like about them. 
I don't think they're picky about water parameters as long as the water is uh, not, you know, doesn't have ammonia or nitride in it and things like that. In, in this aquarium, they aren't bothering any other fish and they don't really bother each other. They do, they, like any epistle, they each claim a little, this will claim this leaf and this will claim this, you know, stump and this will claim this little area. And then they just kind of display back and forth to each other. Um, to keep their little territories. So they're, they seem a cinch to feed pellets, flakes, uh, anything really. And frozen live, they like it all. You know, it did take a while. They didn't come like that. It took some work to get them there, but they've been that way for a few weeks now. So I really like them. Um, Bob, what do you think? Bob has some as well. And uh, he can tell you what he thinks about them. But I, in my experience, they've been a cool fish so far, for sure. Just males though, so be aware of that. If you order like six in the hope that you can breed, I, they only sent me males. The breeders are, I think, you know, probably trying to <laughs> uh, keep uh, a monopoly on that species because they sell well for them. And so they're only distributing males. So if you're a breeder, that's not fun. But, um, but if you just want a pretty display tank and you're not, worried about breeding them, then they'll do great for you. Uh, let's see here. Otter Creek. Hey, Otter. Glad to see you. What do you grow your baby corridors out on? I have a little betta cube I'm trying out now. Only had two survivors out of 24 eggs. Okay. So the quarries, um, check out, I've got a whole video on it, spawning and raising corridors. Um, so check it out. I think it's, uh, corridors Aeneas, the albinos that I feature in that video. And uh, basically I put them in the little hatching container. Once they all hatch, I change the water frequently so they don't fungus or anything. Once they hatch, I move them to a little plastic shoe box type thing, little plastic storage container. It's not big. Put about an inch of water in there. You don't want it deep for a little fry. In the wild, what they're gonna do, fry of many, many different species of fish, is swim up to the margins of the water where it's really shallow and it's warmer and the predators can't get to them. So they don't like it super deep. and I feed them microworms, which sink. They eat those no problem. I feed them baby brine shrimp, no problem. And I'll also feed them uh, rapashi. Just take a, make some rapashi, take a little cube of it, kind of rub it in your fingers to squish it up, just so that it's not smooth, but it's, you know, how it kind of gets rough edges when you do that to make it easier for them to latch onto. And I'll feed them that too. So any of those three, I use all three in combination, work good. You can also use a fine powdered food if you want. Just shake it up so it sinks before you put it in because they won't feed off the surface. But I don't think that's necessary to use that fine stuff. And I also wonder if they're really eating it well. They might be. But by the time the baby Cory's have absorbed their yolk sac, unless it's like pygmaeus or hebrosis or, or histatus or something like that. But if it's not a pygmy species, in my experience, and I've bred tons of them, just the common ones, but all the common ones I've bred, by the time they absorb their yolk, absorb their yolk sac, they're big enough that baby brine shrimp and microworms and stuff are no problem. And in my experience, they'll start chewing on rapashi almost right away. So that's what I do, Otter Creek. Um, the other thing though is I change the water like crazy. I'll change the water two, three, four times a day, hundred percent water change pretty much. 
I also put in a clump of Java moss in there just so there's infusoria and stuff like that, just in case they want to chew on something between meals. And I also put in snails and a couple cherry shrimp just to help keep any uneaten food in check. And that's the way I do it. So two things kill baby fish, either in general, there's lots of things, but in general, it's two things, either not enough food that they can eat or water isn't changed enough and they, it just gets toxic for them. So, um, hope that helps, but that's how I do it. Long Island fish guy. They're very young. I don't think the eggs can even hatch. Oh, okay. Well, Hey, I'm glad they're going for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're like little two inch guys and they're already trying to spawn. Is it kind of that situation? Reels have SAE spawn in the tanks. So what was, I'm convinced that, that my three SAEs are spawning Siamese algae eaters for those that don't know what SAE is. And, um, but I've never caught them in the act, but there's two of them that I think are females. They'll just get super plump and then I'll come in one day and they'll be like back to normal. So I've never caught them, but have you seen them and, and what are they doing? Are they just scattering the eggs? Are they adhering them to something? Are they burying them in the, the gravel or the sand? Like, um, have you seen them? Can you give me any details on what they're actually doing? Because I'm convinced mine are doing it. I just have never caught them in the act. And I'm curious what their method is. I'm guessing a scatterer, but like most cyprinids, but, but I could be wrong. Carter being their brilliant Turk discus, brilliant turquoise. Cool. That's awesome. I mean, that's beautiful. <laughs> I think, I mean, there's so many discus varieties, but if it was like, we, we can only have one now for the rest of our lives. I mean, turquoise discus are fantastic. Long Island fish guy going to join that Facebook page. Yeah, please do. We have a good time. We have a good time. And it, it kind of keeps, it's, it's general chat and people sharing what they bought and how it's doing. Um, people sharing their spawning projects, asking questions and stuff, but it's also a place to discuss, uh, using get gills. So if you're a buyer and you want to buy from someone on get gills, you can ask the group, Hey, I, I'm thinking of buying from this person. What's been your experience? Um, if you're a seller, you can talk to other sellers and be like, Hey, this is going on. How do you guys handle this? So it's, it's, it's general fish talk. And there's enough of that, that someone that's not using get gills can, uh, I think, enjoy the site, but it's also meant as a place that anyone using get gills can get help or share experiences and stuff like that. So it was either that or like create a forum. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and just forums are so outdated. I, I went with the Facebook group instead. Marsh Aquatics, are female Kamaka rainbows um, less broad than the males? Yeah, in fact, with, with most rainbows, I would say that's the case. Most. But yes, um, for sure. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, let me show you. These guys are pretty cool. So I had a group of these in... Um, I had them for a couple months and the female was noticeably smaller, like a lot smaller than the males. Uh, like height wise, she was a lot more compressed than they were. So that's what we're talking about. Really cool fish. And yeah, I noticed it more in them than I did in like Trifosciatus and stuff. So I think you're onto something there. 
and I had one female and four males and uh, she produced like crazy. And it was cool because the males each kind of, I mean, they weren't real aggressive territory wise, but when they were in spawning mood, one would go here, another one would go here and they'd all pick a different spot in the tank and she would swim around and they would just put their head down and wiggle and flash every time she swam by them. And it was really cool. <laughs> it was an awesome sight. Bathy Phila, I learned to put lids on my tanks when I was a kid. I had a big female green sword jump out of my tank. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And I, I I'm, I'm like so careful to always do that. And in this tank, I didn't. And two on the floor next morning. It was horrible. Uh, 60, 64 watching. That's awesome. For this little channel on a Wednesday, 64 is fantastic. So cheers. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Glad you're here. Glad you're hanging out. Hey, Mile High made it. Hey, there you are. I'm driving so lurking, but hello, everyone. Hey, Mile High. Good to see you. And um, you know what I discovered? <laughs> Is that when I chat on my phone and make it at somebody, it doesn't highlight for them either. So I'm in the same boat as you, I think, Mile High. So I'm sorry if I've missed... Uh, messages and things during these live streams from you, but it's not highlighting for me. And I just don't see it if it doesn't highlight, but I'm in the same boat. Like during uh, Corey's streams, I'll, I'll chat at someone and it just doesn't do it. I'm on an Android and I don't know if that's ubiquitous over Androids, but it's uh, certainly happening for me. Hey, TM, good to see you. So TM, I just told everyone about your cool leopard frog uh, Pleco video. That is awesome. I'm glad you're breeding so many of them. That's fantastic news. And about your uh, gold ocelotus shellies uh, that you got. So enjoyed your video, man. Good job. Good stuff. Michael Wilson, any experience with... No. Ermotis octozona? Oh, wait. Maybe. I don't recognize the genus name, but I think I recognize the species name. Let me see what we're talking about here. And then we'll get into that. Oh, no. Um, so this is what we're talking about. Eight-line barb, is that the common name? Um, nope, I've never kept them. Never kept them. In fact, I don't know if I've even ever seen a living one. So can't help you there. But that looks awesome. Um, I don't have time to dig into seriously fish right now and do research on them. But just looking at them, they look like a little mini barb, maybe like a J barb or something, but with a different pattern. Is that, or a pentazone barb, but smaller. Is that right? But that's cool. You're picking some up tomorrow. They look delicate, like something that might be picked on. I'm sorry, Michael, I, I can't help you. But would you please let me know next week what they're like? Because I'm, I'm curious. I, yeah, no idea. But you're right, they're kind of that more elongated shape and not super like beefy like a lot of barbs. So they might be a little more delicate, don't know. But I'm dying to find out. Please let me know. <laughs> Bathy Phila, do you see other wild type live bearers on the importer wholesaler list? Very rarely, very, very rarely. There was um, the black chin live bearer um, was available a little while ago. And I just didn't, get them because I think they would have been like 25 bucks each. 
which I was like, for a black chin live bear, I, I mean, they're cool, but his, it just didn't make sense. And it wasn't even for pairs. So I couldn't justify getting them and then passing on them on to you guys for 25 bucks a piece. So I didn't get them. Um, every now and then, yes, I'll find some, but it's few and far between. And often the prices don't make sense. So I know Greg Sage is pretty backed up right now, but I think he does have some stuff available. I, the best thing though, truly for everybody, if you're really interested in live bears, especially wild type live bears, the thing to do is join the ALA, the American Live Bear Association. And you'll, if you, if you join up and just kind of get a little bit active in there, in short order, you're going to meet people that have not every live bear you've ever seen and dreamed of, but close to it. <laughs> like this, between everyone in that organization, you're going to be able to find a lot of cool stuff. A lot of like giardnichthys, a lot of cool just fish that you just can't find almost any other way. So yeah, but no bathyphila. They're almost, uh, there's a few every now and then, but they're sporadic. It's rare to find them. And when you do find them, it's rare to find them at a price point that makes any sense at all. Which makes no sense because like these limias, they breed like crazy. They're easy. They're as easy as a plaid as far as I'm concerned. Like I, they just crank out babies and babies and babies. And I have super soft water and hard water. They're even easier. So it makes no sense. I just think it's a color thing. I think that uh, the industry's so addicted to like, we need it to be bright red or bright orange or whatever, which, yeah, there's a place for that. But then the other stuff just gets, uh, yeah, it doesn't get bred in any quantity that can be done at an industry level. So it's not usually available on lists. Uh, Goliad Farms, also another great place if you're looking, uh, Charles Clap Saddle there. If you're looking for live bears, check his site out. Life with Pets. Hey, how's it going? Glad you're here. For those that haven't seen it, Life with Pets did an unboxing um, of some barbs in an Amazon puffer that uh, I sent her. So check it out. It's on her channel. And um, I'm not infallible. Like I sent her an extra barb and thank goodness because one of them was missing an eye and I, I totally missed it. And it must be the only fish in that entire tank that was like that because I haven't seen any of them missing eyes. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty gentle when I bag the fish. I suppose I could have accidentally injured the eye during packaging, but I'm pretty gentle, so I don't know. But it's a cool video. Um, how long is the sale for? The sale goes until February. So we've got, uh, what, around a week more. So it ends uh, February 1st, Friday of next week. So it's not on for long. Um, but it's a pretty good sale, 25% off, dancefish.com. Long Island Fish Guy, what kind of light is on the tank behind you? So the tank behind me just has a cheap, I'll show you. It's a shop light, an LED shop light from Amazon, the cheapest light you could find. Just one of these. I think it was like 35, 40 bucks on Amazon. 
and I have three of them on here, and they put out a ton of light. I so there's um, one each each one has two strips, so there's six strips on there. I only have one strip on right now though because if I have all of them on, it it's so bright that all you see from the fish in there is glare. My hope is that right now with kind of the toned down light that they you can see the color on the angels and stuff. But if I do this, like, is that, see, they're just super overexposed and then you guys can't see them and enjoy them. They look like platinum angelfish <laughs> right now. At least what I'm seeing, maybe they look better for you, but that's why For live streaming, I only have uh, one of the six tubes on. So, but yeah, I almost all my tanks are lit with just sh sh super cheap shop lights. Now, on this tank, I would like to get a, some nice lighting on it, um, so it looks better. So I can really dial it down, so it looks really nice for the videos and the live streams. But, uh, but right now, <laughs> I've got all my resources going in other areas. Uh, with uh, getgills.com and trying to keep that afloat with all the, it's, it's not cheap to run a website like that. There's lots of functionality that we have to license from other people. There's all the hosting. Um, there's, you know, there's quite a bit of expense in that site every week or every month. And so a lot of the resources are going to maintain that. So as soon as things get to a certain point, then I'll invest in some some really nice lights for this tank behind us, but it's going to be a little while. Um, and for those that don't know, getgills.com is, is a website where it's like amazon.com for fish. So if you have fish or fish supplies that you want to sell, feel free to post them there. If you're looking to buy fish or fish supplies, you can go there and buy them. So it's just an open marketplace where uh, folks can sell stuff they have and folks can buy stuff. It's all fish related, fish hobby related. So Long Island fish guy, yes, the geos I have are like two and a half inches and spawn like crazy. The male is gorgeous. Cool. Mine haven't colored up yet. They're, they're two and a half, maybe three inches, and they're still not quite colored up, but I can't wait till they do. Long Island fish guy, I've never seen, never actually seen the eggs on the rock or anything, but I've seen eggs in the female's mouth. All right, so they are doing something. Chat jumped. Ah, Hang on, I'm looking. Reels, my SAE are looking full of eggs. Yep, mine did like every, every regularly, I don't know if it's every week or every two or three weeks, but regularly they swell up and then boom. Tampa Tom, I have three big SAEs and I think they are breeding too, but I haven't seen any eggs. Yeah, it's a mystery. I know Thomas uh, from Fish Guru Aquatics was breeding his and he actually got some pictures of the eggs and stuff, some video, I think of the eggs, but I don't think he saw them spawning. So this is so curious, you know, what they do. So if I wanted to breed them in the future, I could purposely do that. If they're a scatterer, I'd know what to do. If they're a, you know, just whichever method they use, I could custom tailor the setup to them. But <laughs> everyone I know that spawns them, it's like, I don't know. I just found eggs or a fry appeared or uh I don't know. She got skinny. So no one's actually seen it that I know of. Skipper's Aquarium. Sorry, I missed it. What is the Facebook page? Um, 
It is uh, Get Gills on Facebook. Let me, uh, Bob, if you, or Lumpy Dog, if either of you wouldn't mind. Oh, there it is. Uh, so Kaler's Aquatics linked it down below there for you, uh, Skipper's Aquariums. Rachel Crackle, never kept killifish before. Oh, they're great. Always like the Blue Galaris. Would that be a good beginner? I think so. Um, let me give a couple caveats. I don't think Blue Galaris is the best fish for beginner and killifish just because they're a little harder to reproduce. But if you're not trying to breed them, I think Blue Galaris are great. They're, in my experience, they're hardy. They are beautiful. And they get pretty big, so it depends on the size tank. But yeah, if you have a, you know, if you're not trying to keep them a little five and a half gallon or something like a lot of killie keepers, then they would do great. And yeah, I think that a beginner could keep those, sure. Especially if you have experience keeping other fish and you know how to maintain a tank long term. And if you have a mature tank, you can put them in. Um something that's been established for a while and you're not going to go through any ammonia spikes or anything like that, then yeah, I think so. They're about the same temperament as like a fundal panchax garden rye. They're just bigger. So if you take any issue you could have with that as far as aggression goes or anything, which isn't a lot, but um, in multiplied it by a bigger body, that's kind of what a blue glaris is. But yes, I think you could do it. Bathyphila, $25 for Giardnixis Metallicus. That's nuts. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, I mean, I've got them in the past for a lot less than that. So, yeah, so I didn't do it. But that's frequently the case. Just because since they're not an industry standard, um, they're so rarely available. And they're not done in the big numbers, which drive the prices down. So, yep. Hey, Mob Guppy, glad you're here. So, Mob Guppy, I have a question. Are you the uh, the same as the Peter Thiel that used to frequent these streams? Because I haven't seen Peter Thiel in a long time, and I was wondering what happened to Peter the other day. And then I was like, I saw something, and I was like, wait, I think Peter is here, just a different name. Is that you? You don't have to say if you don't want to, but if it is, then I can stop wondering what happened to Peter. <laughs> All right, man, we got a shine going, don't we? Oh, yeah, bald and shiny. Kelly's Aquatics, 98 watch. Holy cow! Courtesy of Corey's viewer spike, 98 watching. We're at 102, 101. Hey, welcome, everybody. For those that are coming in late, glad you're here. Um, welcome to the channel. Candy says, too many streams on Wednesday. Yeah, that's true. But I'd like to remind everyone, I've been doing it the same day, same time for over a year. So go complain to someone else. There's too many streams because I'm the OG of the Wednesday live stream. <laughs> but glad you're all here. For those that don't know, um, the way we do things here is if you have a question or comment that you want me to reply to, if you make it at Dan's Fish, let it populate. It'll highlight for me and I'll jump right to it. I like doing that so I avoid having to like read through all the chat to find something to reply to. So that way you guys can all talk among yourselves, have a good time, and uh, 
if you, again, have a question or comment for me that you'd like me to respond to, just make it at Dan's Fish. I'll jump right to it. And uh, mods, if you see me constantly missing someone, please just bring it to my attention and I, I'll help them. Or if you see someone having trouble figuring out how to make it at Dan's Fish, uh, then if you could help them with that, that would be appreciated. So Candy, glad you made it. Glad you're doing well. I assume you're doing well. You're well enough to be here. So glad you're here, Candy. <laughs> um, cool. So let's get back to it. Real Stinks. Wow, 99 viewers. Yeah, we peaked at 105 there, which is pretty good for this little channel. So yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. So um, I earlier, what you missed is I covered this week's import, if you will. It wasn't exactly an import, um, but the fish that came in this week and kind of the adventure with that. And uh, Candy, I didn't I didn't order fish to Billings this week just because trying to do that drive in this weather, I was like, nah. <laughs> so I went with a different company and Adam shipped right to my door, but got some cool stuff. Got some Zephophorus uh, Montezuma, so Montezuma swordtails, just aquarium strain. They're not location specific or anything. I mean, they came from a wholesaler, so these aren't Greg Sage Montezumas, but they're Montezumas. Um, got some Amazon puffers in and some pygmy quarries. So that was it. Just one little box this week, just because of the weather, but got them in. And, um, I talked a little earlier about kind of acclimating and how I do some of that. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, that's earlier in the live stream. Then we've talked a lot about what other people are breeding, what projects they have, what they're spawning and growing. So that's a passion of mine and a whole bunch of other fishy stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what's going down. If you want to see any of that on the replay, that's what you missed. Peter Thiel, I am Mob Guppy. I knew it. I knew it. Mystery solved. <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, man, I haven't talked with Peter in a long time. What's going on with Peter? It's just you. Good. I'm glad you're still around. <laughs> glad to hear it. Um, so there's a couple species I'm working hard on still to get in. And I don't know if the weather will be okay to bring more in next week or not. It's, it's a long drive to the airport for me to pick them up. And in blizzard conditions, like I've had this week, it's just not something I want to try doing. But I, there's, do you guys know what a red tail Akara is? I keep seeing it on the list. It's not a fish that I know. When I try to research it, I don't find anything that is convincing that it's like, oh, it's this fish. Like, I can't tell for sure which fish it is. So does anyone in here know what a red tail Akara is? Because I'm tempted to try it, but I don't want to try it. I would be, I'd feel better about ordering, you know, because I have to get them in like packs of 50 or 100 or whatever. I'd feel better about doing that if I knew exactly what I was getting. I don't want to do that and find out, oh, it's like this Jack Dempsey sized aggressive thing, you know, but I think it's like just like a three inch Akara maybe. But if you know what that is, I'd really appreciate any info on that fish. That's what one that I'm thinking of getting in, but I'm hesitant to do. And I found a, a source for some Nita Pistos for some um, Nisenai and some uh, Panduros and things. The problem is right now the price point. So I'm trying to work the price point down. If I can get it down to a point that makes sense, then, then I'll go ahead and do that. Um, 
Also found some wild type bettas, betta smardina, uh, betta embellus, and mahakai, um, and another one. I won't do the mahakai because my water's soft and I don't have the wherewithal to set up a proper tank for them right now. But the other ones are tempting me, but their price point is so high. They're going to be like close to $100 a pair. So I'm kind of holding off on there. But there are some neat ones that I found and I'm looking at doing. I'm just working on the price point. So that's where I'm at with that stuff for those that are wondering. And chocolate garamis. I found some a place for those too that I'm pretty excited about. But Redtail Akara, do you know what it is? I don't. Um, Sean Gleason, do most fish really reach their max size? Should I be worried if my fish doesn't get as big as it's supposed to or as big as the others of the same species in my tank? Um, I think fish in a lot of ways are individual, just like people, to an extent. And as long as you're keeping your water clean and feeding them good quality foods and have done your best to medicate them against any parasites that might be drawing away energy that they would normally be using for growth, then I think you've done what you can do. Beyond that, I guess you could worry about it, but what are you gonna do? Like, I don't know. Oh, did the lights go out behind me? Hang on. Sorry about that. So I would say, I think there's some variation for sure. There's also issues of dominance. There are. Um, and this is something to keep an eye on. There are times when a subdominant fish just um, is outcompeted and stays small. Often a way to fix that is to get larger groups of fish. If you notice that happening in a species, then sometimes the trick is you need to get more of them so that there's less, uh, there's more it's almost like spreading out the aggression like when you think of African cichlids, but it's not quite that. It's just a group reaches a certain threshold and no one gets picked on very much. Um, so that's something to consider. Or maybe that subdominant fish needs to go in a different aquarium. If you have one, you can put it in where it can catch up. So subdominant fish get out competed for food and they're also under constant stress from the dominant fish. And that's why sometimes they just won't grow as big because their body's constantly stressed and they're not getting as much food. So that's something to keep in mind too. The night surgeon trying to set up a quarantine tank. Okay. What should be done with the tank in between holding fish better to be running empty or empty it and refill it with the main tank water when ready. Well, I'll tell you what I do. So I do things very differently than most people in the fish fam. I use a bare tank with an air stone. I don't have any filtration in there. Here's the reason. Most of the bacteria that really infects fish in our hobby is gram negative. The nitrifying bacteria in your filter is also gram negative. So most medicines that we use to treat gram negative bacteria, which is what we are usually fighting in our aquariums, will destroy our biological filter. So my go-to medicines are, there's a few different ones. There's canamycin, which I like because it kills gram-negative bacteria. It'll kill columnaris, it'll kill aromonas, it'll kill lots of stuff. And it's absorbed through the skin. Another big problem with trying to treat aquarium fish is 
Freshwater fish don't drink. They get more than enough water flooding into their bodies through their gills just from osmotic pressure because their bodies are salty and the water's fresh water. So they don't ever or very rarely drink. So you dose the water column. How is that medicine getting into the fish? It's floating around the fish, but is it actually getting into the fish? Canamycin, yes, it's absorbed through their skin. Um, and I use a cocktail of canamycin with nitrofurazone because the most common bacterial problem I have in my fish room, and I bring in new fish pretty much every week, is from columnaris and aeromonas. It's very common. And when a fish gets weak, gets weak, gets, you know, stressed and stuff from shipping, that stuff gets an opportunity. It's an opportunistic pathogen to take hold and make the fish sick. So those two medicines in combination knock that out. That's why I use them. But they also kill biological filtration bacteria, your nitrifying bacteria. So in my tanks, what I do is it's a bare tank, just an air stone, because the filter's not going to work anyway. I put the medicine in there. I use salt as well and uh, put the fish in there. And I'll change um, about 30 to 50% of the water daily and remedicate every 24 hours to 48 hours, depending on the medicine I'm choosing in its treatment cycle. So that's how I do it. The other uh, bacteria that's common in aquariums is Streptococcus, and that is, um, I'm probably saying that wrong, but I think that's a gram-positive bacteria. So if you're trying to treat something that you can use a medicine that won't wipe out your biological filtration, then it might not hurt to have an established tank going and use that as a hospital tank. But every week I get new fish in and the thing I'm afraid of is Aramonas and columnaris. The other good medicine for those things is triple sulfa. It's a lot more mild. Triple sulfa doesn't necessarily have as bad an effect on your biological filter. Um, so that can be good if you're treating external stuff, torn up fins, cloudy fins. Uh, it does mostly gram negative, but some gram positive bacteria. And so that can be useful. But if you're really trying to get the medicine into the fish um, to treat anything they could have on their inside, then I think canamycin and uh, nitrofurazone is better. So that's why I set those up the way I do. So um, to me, it's a bare tank. And once the fish are done quarantine and go into their more permanent homes, then I actually drain the tank, I wipe it all out, and I start fresh. But that's coming from a guy that is bringing new fish in every week, often, you know, a thousand or more fish every week coming in. So that's the way I maintain it. Is a hobbyist, it's totally up to you, but in my experience, um, I want something that's going to knock out gram, uh, gram negative bacteria. And most of that stuff also kills my biological filter. So I don't worry about a nice established quarantine tank. Now I know that's different than what a lot of people do. And that's fine. Um, if you guys have success having well-established quarantine tanks that have uh, established filter going all the time and all that, and that works for you, then and you use medicines that that, that can handle, uh, I get it. That's fine. But that's not the way I do it. So that's, that's the way I do it. I'm not trying to convince you that that's the way you should do it, but 
with my experience and the way I do things, that's what works best for me. So, um, yeah. So, uh, the night surgeon, if you have any follow-up questions, I'd be happy to uh, get into it, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I handle things. G bear. It dance fish called Jeff raps before you do it tangled up cichlids. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. He might know about the uh, red telecara. Cool. Good pointer. Better rubra at dance fish. So I'm really low, really, really low on better rubra. Um, I've got a batch growing out. I keep thinking they're going to sex out any day now. So then, uh, then I'll have some more, but I'm, I'm super low. Like <laughs> all the adults have been sold. Um, so I've got a, a bunch of juvies that are almost adult size. They're not tiny. In fact, a couple of them are adult size. So I'm, I have females, by the way, I have adult females, but I don't have uh, pairs at this time because I've sold all the adult males uh, with females. So uh, that's what's going on with them right now. Um, so Bob, when you get a minute, would you email me and let me know what you're looking for? I know that you're down one. Um, would you let me know which sex? If you need a female, I can take care of you. No problem. If you need a male, I've got to wait till this next batch sexes out and see, uh, see what we got. Richard Crackle, thanks for answering my question. Do you anticipate getting any blue Galeris? Never been able to find them locally. Also a big fan of your Santa Maria project. Well, thanks, Richard. Um, Yes, I plan on getting Blue Galeris. I have a supplier for them in Nigeria, um, but it's going to be a long time. <laughs> Basically, I, I'm, I'm planning on an expansion, and once that happens, then I'll have the capacity to, to do that, uh, along with a bunch of other fish. But right now, my facility is barely big enough just to get uh, normal wholesale fish in, uh, in order to get the blue glaris in, I have to import on my own permit, which I'm happy to do. And I've done before, but literally that order is going to be so big that I'm going to have to have every tank in this room empty before I do it, because that's how many fish I have to buy at once when I import from Nigeria. And I'm just, I can't basically, I, I can't logistically do that in this facility I'm at right now because I would have to literally sell every fish and then be able to fill it up again. That being said, locally, you're probably not going to be able to find any blue glares um, unless you join the AKA or go on, uh, what is it? Killifish Conservation and Maintenance Facebook page. Put a shout out there. That's kind of like the AKA's unofficial Facebook group. A lot of people from the AKA are on it. Put a shout out there. There might be some uh, killie nuts in your area that you don't know about. Aquabit often has them, um, but they're not going to be local. So the best way to find killifish, though, is to join the American Killifish Association. That's the AKA. When you do that, you'll have access to the roster of all their members. And you can look and see who's in your area or close to you and um, and see if you can reach out and, and connect with them and get some stuff. So. That'd be my best advice, but yeah, Richard, I, there's a, uh, there's, 
an exporter out of Africa that I terribly want to order from. I want to order them so bad. I just can't do it right now. I don't have the space. The night surgeon, what about a sponge filter for the quarantine tank? Um, I don't do it because a sponge filter runs on bacteria, right? The surface area of the sponge filter is colonized by nitrifying bacteria. That's how it works. And they also collect like, you know, grunge and stuff. The problem is the medicines I use will just kill off that nitrifying bacteria. And then I just have decaying organic matter in the quarantine tank from that, all the bacteria that dies off and stuff. Um, so I might get an ammonia spike just from that. So I don't have any filter in mind. I just have an air stone. But the fish aren't in there long. They're just in there long enough to get through um, that antibiotic. And then I move them out to a, a, a more permanent aquarium. And in yeah, so it's just because those medicines like knock out everything. So that's why I do it that way. But again, if you're not using those medicines... If you're using a medicine that doesn't wipe out nitrifying bacteria, then go for it. Have your filter set up, have a more permanent tank set up for your quarantine. Maybe even um, keep a few fish in it just to keep it all cycled and stuff or something like that. You can totally do that. It's just the medicines I use, I can't do that. Again, if I did, the moment I medicate, that everything living in that filter dies and and that just creates a problem. Curious Tropical Tanks, how do you buy this kenamycin? A um, couple ways. Um, I work with a supplier in China uh, to get it, or you can find it on eBay. If you go to eBay, you can order it there too. So in a pinch, kenamycin, there's a few suppliers on eBay. 100 grams is going to cost you 75, 80 bucks, somewhere around there. So it's not cheap. Um, the way I dose it, I use, it depends on who you get it from and the concentration and stuff, but the way I dose it is two teaspoons for 30 gallons, um, two and a half teaspoons furin 2, which is API's furin project, that's nitrofurazone, in the tank at the same time, along with, in a 30 gallon aquarium, two cups of salt, of rock salt though, in the salt's got to be done by weight unless you know exactly what your concentration is. But for the salt I use, um, it's about two cups in a 30-gallon tank. So I do that, and then I treat every 48 hours for seven days, roughly, for the canamycin and stuff. Now, that's – but keep in mind, my situation is different. I'm bringing in thousands of fish often weekly, and they're in there. They go through that. And then I move them into their more permanent tank. And that's different than the average hobbyist probably who is bringing a few fish every now and then. And in, in that case, you might not need to, unless you have repeated problems with columnaris and aromonas, you might not need to use kenamycin and nitrofurazone. You might be able to use, uh, I don't know, Triple sulfa is a nice, mild antibiotic. It's, it's a good one. That's, that's a nice one to use. I know erythromycin is popular too. And for like scratches on fish and stuff that came in from shipping, um, that can help prevent strep, uh, basically the main gram positive bacteria. Strep, Streptococcus, I think is how you say it. I'm not quite sure. Um, I'd have to read it. It's not in front of me. But so 
but yeah, that's where I get kenamycin. Is uh, you can get it on eBay. Um, Michael Wilson, I bet your red tail Acara is a red-breasted Acara. Oh, let me look that up. The caudal is edged in red and small, colorful, like a red curviceps type. Okay, let's look at this. I want to see what this is. Um, and has your experience with that fish been that you can keep them together in like a group? Would I have a problem keeping a group together? Oh, that is cool. Look at this. Maybe this one. Oh, that's great. Look at that little guy. Red breast Acara. I'll look that up. It does have a red tail on it, doesn't it? Red breast Acara. Thanks. I'll check more into that a little later. So, um, yeah, that's a fish that I'm looking at doing maybe. So, Michael Wilson, have you ever kept a big group together and were they fine or are they one of those fish that they'll pair up readily and then you can't keep another fish in the tank? Priscilla, what you drinking? Just, just, just water, I swear. I swear it's just water. <laughs> no, it is. It's just water. Gin would be nice, but no. Bob Kaler, any firm idea on the Killies? I love the pair. I got great hunters. Um, the Epiplates, no. And I have, I've put it out there to a lot of people. And basically what happens when I do that is I get a portion of people saying it's this and a portion saying it's this and a portion saying it's this. So I can't find any consensus that makes me comfortable saying it is Epiplates tongalensis, tongalensis or um, Grammarii. Grammii. Sorry, that's hard for me to say for some reason or whatever. So no, I don't have a firm ID yet. So my next step, and I need to do this, is tracking down like a true taxonomist. And I hate to do this, but I'll have to send them some and sacrifice them to science and uh, have them actually do it. So I've got to find someone who can do that and someone who's willing to do that. And that's a bit of a feat. So um, that's the next step. But yeah, they're fantastic. I love them. The nice surgeon, what is gram-negative bacteria? So there's two main kinds of bacteria and gram-positive bacteria have kind of like a, a thick cell wall to it and gram-negative bacteria don't. And the reason we call them gram-positive or gram-negative is the way we know that is we take a sample of the bacteria and we put a certain dye on it and the gram-positive bacteria, the, the little cell walls are like thick kind of shells around them, if you will, um, absorb that dye. And so that's a positive result. We show the dye. And the gram-negative bacteria, you stain it and they don't absorb it. So that's a negative result. So that's why one's called gram-positive and one's called gram-negative. The trick is for a lot of these, because of that wall, things that will kill gram-negative bacteria won't necessarily kill gram-positive and vice versa. So when you're treating fish, it's important. And I got to give a caveat to this whole freaking live stream that um, I'm not a veterinarian, okay? So I've read a lot. I've researched a lot. I did work at an animal hospital for five years, so I, I learned a little bit there. Um, but I'm not like a qualified vet or anything. But just my understanding, let's put that caveat in there, is that um, 
you have to kind of custom tailor your medicines to the kind of bacteria you're treating. That's why it's often so difficult to help someone that's having a specific issue because you just get a picture of a fish and it's like, well, there's like 15, 20 things that could cause that symptom. I have no clue which it is, um, you know, but I frequently like the, I got a batch of baddest baddest in, when was that? A month ago, roughly maybe. And, um, they came in and they looked fine, but within a couple of days, it was obvious that they had an Aeromonas infection. So wherever they were held before I got them, they got weakened to the point that Aeromonas got them and it didn't manifest till I had had them for a little while. And, um, not long enough that I don't think they got them from my tanks, but they got here and then it was like pretty immediate. And so I know Aeromonas, uh, is best treated by gram-negative antibiotics. So I go with that. If, yeah, so it's it's very different uh, how to treat different uh, pathogens, different disease-causing organisms. And that's why this is this is the an area of the fish hobby we just don't do well. It's not like cats and dogs where something's sick, you can go to the vet and the vet can diagnose it for you and give you the proper medicine for that specific problem, right? We just, we don't have access usually as a fish person to someone who we can take that to. And so it's kind of a shotgun approach that we use and different water parameters. Uh, depending on the parameter you have, you're more likely to have different things happening. So um, the reason I use the cocktail I do specifically is just from my experience in my own fish room, that my parameters and the way I have things going, I know that I'm most likely to have uh, columnaris, flexibacter columnaris or aeromonas going on. And so, so that's what I treat stressed out fish for. Cause in, in the past, that's, what's been the most common thing. Um, but somewhere else in a different water parameter or someone or a different supplier or um, just a different way of keeping aquariums, it might be something totally different. So, yeah. So anyway, night surgeon, that's the answer to that. <laughs> Priscilla, thank you for the educational and valuable information. You're welcome. Um, hope it's educational. Hope it's valuable. It's uh, pretty general, but let me, let me share this with you guys. Um, this is, again, probably the best website I've found on fish medicine and understanding it. It's this, it's AmericanAquariumProducts.com. It's a super old, kind of outdated as far as the, the technology goes website, but it's got great information. So this you can learn about triple sulfa, about oxytetracycline, about erythromycin, about neomycin. And look, if you click on this, here's how it is. So this is triple sulfa. It gives you a little history of it. Um... It talks about how to use it, talks about how to dose it, talks about contradictions. So these are medicines you, you really should not mix it with. And then products that have it in it. And it does this for lots of different kinds of medicines. So I have found this site to be really useful. 
Um, it's exhaustive. Like it's days and days of reading. The person that put this together um, just geeked out on this for years and built this. But um, it's there and it's a good resource. And again, it, I'm, I'm not I'm not a vet. <laughs> like I'm. Yeah. So take the time to kind of familiarize yourself. But it's the best resource I've found so far. And there might be better ones, but it's the best one I know of that I can look at a medicine and learn about it and what it's best used on. So Michael Wilson, the L Dorsigaris, we'll go with that, are pretty peaceful. Had a dozen or so adults in a 55 with Emperor Tetras. Okay, cool. Thank you. The nice surgeon, do you generally pre-treat new fish for common disease or do you wait and look for actual signs of disease? Sorry for all the questions. Thanks for your input. Oh, it's not a problem. Ask questions. That's what this is for. We're not we're not a big enough channel that you can't ask a ton of questions. That's fine. You're not clogging up the feed or anything. Um, we're a small little channel. Ask away. Um, so I, I always treat my fish. I have a whole area of my fish room that um, anytime I get new fish, I put them in there and I treat them. And the reason I do that is because when I don't, like the the baddest baddest I got in. I was like, these look great. They're gonna be fine. I'm not gonna treat them with that. So I put them in a more permanent tank from the get-go and I did treat them, but I used triple sulfa, which does help with columnaris and things, but um, it's pretty mild. But I did that because then it wouldn't kill my biological filter. It wouldn't you know, make me have to reset the tank. So I put them in there. And the reason I did it is Baddest baddus are a a uh, a fish that likes cover that can be easily stressed out, and so I thought, well, I'll put them in this nice planted tank. I put a bunch of like little caves and stuff in there for them, and my thought was they would do better in there and be less stressed and acclimate quicker than if I put them in a bare hospital tank to begin with. That's kind of why I did that, and I wish I hadn't because. Um, what ended up happening is within, again, a day or two of getting them, they had these big Aramonis blisters on them. And if you never, if you don't know Aramonis, when you see it, it's, it's pretty obvious. Um, and I was kicking myself because now I had them in this aquarium where A, it's hard to catch them all out and B, I can't dose that tank with the medicine that will wipe out an Aramonis infection because that will wipe out the filter. It'll kill the entire tank. And then all that rotting stuff will just make the situation worse. So what I ended up doing in that situation was I treated with triple sulfa. It's more mild. It took a while to take effect, much longer than the canamycin and nitrofurazone would have. And I lost several of those baddest baddest. Um, I, I did save a good portion of the group, but I lost more than I should have. So, um, so what I generally do is not that. That was just an error in judgment where I thought, okay, these particular fish probably would do better this way. I was wrong. I should have treated them like I treat all my fish. So I get new fish in and I treat them. And the reason is, is over the years, if I don't, I'll often deal with columnaris and aramonis. And it often doesn't manifest itself more, more columnaris than aramonis. 
Eremonis is actually fairly rare in my setup, but columnaris is, is common. And um, if I don't do that, then they'll often get an infection of columnaris later on. And it could be a couple weeks later when it finally like has gotten strong enough that the fish start showing, showing, showing symptoms. So yes, every fish I get in, I treat for uh, columnaris and aeromonas. Luckily, it's the same medicine cocktail. And I treat them for about a week just to make sure that if they have that, and it, like the surface infections aren't as hard, but the internal ones are. And so I, I treat for that from the get-go because I've had too many experiences where I didn't and uh, it, it became a problem. So, so I do it. Yep. And then once they're done that, I put them in a more permanent tank and there I'll treat them with like, you know, metronidazole and prosy and uh, ICX and stuff like that to clear any parasites. But my first concern, just based on how I've experienced stuff, is wiping out those two bacterias. Um, but again, every fish room is different. Every setup's different. And, and we do fish medicine so poorly because none of us are fish vets and we don't have access to fish vets. So just educate yourself as much as you can. Go to, um, what was it? Uh, AmericanAquariumProducts.com and just read everything you can as a starting point. Michael Wilson, they breed regularly. Okay, we're talking about the uh, red telecars, but breed on a stone or slate on the bottom. I just removed the spawns or fry if it, fins begin to be shredded. Okay, cool. So it sounds like your typical, uh, fairly peaceful uh, dwarf cichlid. So yeah, great. On par with like a pistos or, or pelvic acromas or something like that. Cool. All right. Um, well, it's 8.47. So we've been going yeah, close to two hours here now. So I'm going to reach these last... Um, last questions and comments at myself, and then we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes. So if you have a question or comment you want me to get to, um, now's the time and we'll get to all that's there. And then I'll kind of do it a little rapidly. I'll try not to go off on tangents or little rants or anything, and then we'll shut it down. Um, before we get into that last bit though, I want to thank, uh, my mods. Love you guys to death. Thanks so much for all you do. Um, thank everyone for chatting and keeping it lively. Everyone that had questions and comments, that's what makes this fun. Anyone that helps someone else in the chat, thank you. And all you lurkers, I'm with you. I'm usually lurking too in a lot of streams. While I'm working in the fish room, I just have stuff going on in the background all the time. So thanks to everyone that does live stream and create long form content, because that's the best when you're working in the fish room. You can just put it on and let it go for a while while you're working. It's, it's a good time. Um, 74 watching. Cool. And we knocked it down to 70. Oops. <laughs> it must be time to shut it down. Thanks, Lumpy Dog. Infinite awareness. What does columnaris look like? Um, so flexibacter columnaris. So first of all, unless you're like getting it professionally diagnosed, there's lots of things that look like this. But it's almost like a white slimy coat on the on the fish, like a cloudy. Uh, yeah coating on the surface of the fish. Often it'll look like kind of like a off-colored saddle. Not always. Sometimes it's just across the, the sides of the fish, but often like a white colored, not white necessarily, but off-colored saddle over the kind of shoulders of the fish, right? 
in front of the dorsal fin or thereabouts. Um, yeah, that's the best I can describe what it looks like on the fish. But often it can be an infection that's internal. Columnaris can also infect internally and you, you might not even see it, but your fish has long stringy poop and all that. Parasite medicines haven't got rid of it. It's likely that it could be columnaris. So that white stringy poop and all that stuff, that's not just from parasites. Often that's from bacterial infections as well. So it can manifest in lots of different ways. And, and that's not really helpful because there's many different uh, pathogens that can, and disease causing organisms that can cause the same kind of, you know, white cloudy slime on the fish. So um, it's so hard. Like that's like just getting a microscope and identifying it or finding a local veterinarian that might not be a fish vet, but is willing to like knows enough that they can take a fish and do a scraping or whatever and uh, identify what's on it. Um, that's really the only way to know for sure. It's, it's impossible to diagnose stuff usually just by looking at it. Um, there's a few things like ick and velvet and some others, but most, it's just so hard to say. But yeah, like white, white slimy stuff. Skipper's Aquariums, thanks for all your info. I learned a lot tonight. Hey, you're welcome, Skipper. Glad you were here. The Night Nurse, thanks for the website. I have been doing a lot of research in common fish diseases and treatment plans in preparation for setting up my QT tank. Cool. Well, I uh, hope it helps. Keep researching until you find out the setup that works best for you. But glad you were here. Thanks for all the questions and comments. Uh, Tristan Schuster, thank you for all the knowledge you have taught us tonight. Hey, you're welcome, Tristan. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, there's a 25% off sale at dancefish.com. Check it out. Um, also, if you have fish to sell, or if you're looking for fish and stuff to buy, check out getgills.com. If you have fish and supplies to sell, you can post them there. And if you're looking to buy stuff, you can go browse what's available, getgills.com. Um, thanks, everybody, and have a great night. Bye-bye.